Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and I want to thank you for joining me here today. I'm on Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey, and you are in places unknown all around the world, all around North America and around the globe. I know where some of you listen because you gave me a pin in my map, and I've been negligent in asking you to reach out to me and just let me know where you listen from. The best thing to do is to go to my website, which is farmmachinerydigest.com, and click on that license plate entry. And I've been bad about starting to get that fired up. It just seems too many things are going on, and uh, and uh, then uh, whatever, no excuses, right? Messed up, and I still got to give away those Fent models. So we have to do all that. So I'm going to get going on that. Hopefully this week. I will make, I the problem that I have, well, I shouldn't say the problem, my inefficiency, because it's not a problem, it's my it's my own inefficiency, is that I need to do that like a week ahead of time. So that when I record the show, I have people's names and addresses and, and everything to uh, to do that. And uh, I just want to stop here for a second because I forgot something. Hold on. I'm going to see if I could stop this for a minute and uh, and uh, come back in. So let's see. Alrighty, we should be back now. I tried that pause button because I need to give a big old Cat Swamp Road shout out to. And it's going all the way up to British Columbia. And I wanted to make sure I got the, the young man's name correctly. All right. He is the son of John Arts. And they farm up there. They have quite a beautiful operation from what I could glean in the pictures he sent me. And his son, Hunton, and he's 11 years old, Hunton. And the family, but I really, they, they bought a Corvette convertible. I think he said it was a 2001 Corvette convertible. And the, John is a longtime listener of the show. And I just was talking to him the other day on the telephone. They're putting in another center pivot there, his Zinmatic. And he would, we were talking about it, and uh, I was getting some information on that because center pivots are something that mystify me. But there's not, if there's any in New Jersey or eastern Pennsylvania, I do not know of it. There may be some in South Jersey, but I kind of doubt it. Maybe one or two, and then in when you once you get out into the Midwest and out west, they are quite uh, common. So we are dry land farmers here, or there is a guy down the road who does some, uh, I call it flood irrigation, and a very inefficient way of irrigating uh, your crops, so uh, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, Hunton, I got a beautiful picture of Hunton pulling this vet convertible with the top down out of the garage for his dad at 11 years old so i said to john well i really think that's hunting's car and then you just uh, you get it all dolled up and fixed up for him so it's a uh, beautiful convertible and they're going to be riding around up there in the beautiful british columbia uh with the corvette and going to the different farms i believe their one farm is about 100 miles away from the other farm so uh you can't carry much in the corvette but that's okay right somebody else could follow in one of the service trucks so big old shout out to hunting and congratulations on that corvette 
and uh, even though your dad didn't tell me, but it looks like you you fit very well behind the wheel. And he had the proper look. He was looking back a little bit. He was sitting cock, a little bit cocked in the seat. He got that Corvette, I'm, I'm cool cruising around look. So he'll be cruising around British Columbia before we know with his dad. And another couple of years, Hunton will be driving that Corvette. So I want to thank you so much, John, for sharing that beautiful picture with me. Uh, John actually did blame me for buying the Corvette. So we'll leave it at that because he listens to the show and he's on the road and he listens to the road tests. And then he says that I would put the um, bug in his ear to get this, to get a Corvette. So it's going to be a wonderful addition to the Ayers family. Uh, I mean, Arts family, excuse me, Arts family uh, up there in British Columbia. So uh, that is that. So uh, let me know how that vet is coming, Hunton. And you take, you take some pictures out of the road with that thing and send it to me. And let me see what else is going on here. We uh, the the raptor was delivered today to the farm, and we are getting a little bit of rain. And that 1.54 inches we got a little bit more than a week ago really made everyone's crop uh, pop. And I was riding around yesterday, you know, as all farmers do, looking at everybody else's crop. And I have to say that for the most part, the corn is looking very very good uh, on everyone's farm. But we all know it's the Indy 500 right so we're only like in lap 10 of 500 laps so we have a long way to go but that we were the the uh area was blessed by that rain at 1.54 inches and there are some people who are irrigating and that corn actually before the rain came we said boy that corn looks good and then i saw the field was all wet and i saw the uh the irrigation unit there so uh the corn is looking good how my corn is um not looking bad thank god i mean it's very 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 far behind and i have to do uh some calculations on i only have four plantings and i'd like to get between eight and ten but we are running out of time for that so uh, back in 2013 i was well i was actually a little bit ahead well maybe not maybe not uh in 2013 but i wasn't doing at that particular point i was doing conventional till and not doing uh the no-till as i do now and i wasn't doing as many plantings and uh i remember my wife um her two brothers well her older brother passed away back in 2016 and they're they're baseball fans mets well i guess they'd say they're mets fans and I was never into baseball. And I remember uh, Charlotte was going to go meet her two brothers in New York City. And they were going to uh, go to Shea Stadium. I don't know if it's still called Shea Stadium in Queens. I guess that's the home of the Mets. And they were going to go see a, uh, I was gonna say a basketball, baseball game. And I remember being at the end of the uh, at the end of the field by the road, and Charlotte was uh, at the time she was driving a little red ZX2, and she was uh, I was putting up the electric fence around my last planting of sweet corn, and that was July third. Of course, I remember. Of course, on July fourth, I she was uh, stayed overnight in the city, and I went for a, a little uh, ride in the morning. So. I usually like to do that on July 4th, get up early in the morning. I get up early, God willing, every day, but then go out on the road and maybe have breakfast that far and just uh, go out on the road and ride around a little bit and maybe stop someplace and have uh, coffee or breakfast and a little come home by whatever, 9 o'clock in the morning, 9.30 in the morning. So I remember being at the end of the road. It's funny how things in life, then you have this this mental 
mental picture that for some reason at the time it was absolutely nothing. I remember I was putting the electric fence up, then she stopped at the end of the road there, and I, you know, and I blew her a kiss and told her to have a good time and enjoy herself. And thank God they did do that because that was the last time that Charlotte and her two brothers got together to go to a baseball game. They had didn't haven't done that. They didn't do that previously for a number of years. The two brothers have, but not involving the sister Charlotte. And then um, basically three years. Uh, to the, not to the day, maybe two two weeks later. So three years and two weeks, her older brother Glenn uh, passed away of uh, I was going to say not pancreatic cancer, uh, colon rectal cancer. He was diagnosed with colon rectal cancer, and as Charlotte's father was, and did not last more than a, maybe four or five weeks. So very very sad. So you got to make those memories, right? You got to do those things, and you got to try to balance uh, being responsible for what you need to do in life, and also enjoying some things. Because as the scriptures say, we are not promised anything, right? We're not promised another breath. So we have to try to find that balance. We can't have all fun, and we can't do all work. We have to try to find some balance of that. So I was very happy that. That she went to but anyway the thing is that that year i just had the corn coming up in that last planting so who knows and we actually did quite well with that because the uh we sold through uh, columbus day weekend i think a week after columbus day then we were so busy on the farm it was crazy we uh <laughs> we was we were selling we were uh we were taking care of customers with headlights on the farm stand so I don't know what had happened that year. I guess all the uh, dynamics were just right where no one else had corn. And it was a beautiful, warm uh, Columbus Day weekend, I remember. It was like summer. And I found that with the uh, fresh market uh, farm stand is that even during the summer, if it's a cooler day, cloudy day, even though it's not raining, uh, for, as far as sweet corn is concerned, people have to, they want to think hot hot weather summer weather for sweet corn if you have a cooler day or something in the summer even towards you know it's uh, the sales go down dramatically so hey what are you going to do but i will have to try to figure out whether how many more plantings i am going to do i'm going to do at least one more and then i don't know whether i'm just going to do the rest of it in one shot so who knows i have to come before the lord and uh ask him to guide me right because the scriptures tell us that if he that if we ask him that he will tell us what he wants us to do not what we want to do what he wants us to do and let me see on another note um i don't know if you got a chance to listen and if you didn't i fully understand that if it's not your cup of tea i fully understand that also but this past week i posted my first on the road to faith uh, podcast which is in the on the road category and um, th- that one went 21 minutes i'm going to try to do them between 15 and 20 minutes not long shows and uh so the first one is out and i will be hopefully god willing doing those in between the regular traditional on the road and they have a number of guests lined up so i have to just get together with them and uh, mike werner uh hopefully by the time you well i'd say in short order i'm going to be recording his show and i sent him the uh, road headset and he had no problem hooking it up to his apple iphone and then uh 
and he said he called his son on it and worked very very well so we will see and then from there it's going to go to joel rand in iowa and we'll do his episode and then we will go through the list of people i have uh, john nye out in idaho we want to get together with him get together with sherry schaefer from uh the um uh, What's the name of her? I should know the name of her magazine because I advertise in it. Uh, not Antique. I forgot. Whatever. She's got the Antique Tractor magazines and the Oliver magazine. It's em- it's embarrassing when uh, you don't remember this stuff. But uh, who knows? So we are going to have a lot of number of people lined up to do that on the road. And hopefully we'll get these on the road to faith podcasts in between those episodes and uh, as i said you know you could give it a listen if you'd like uh if you feel that's going to bring somebody else intrinsic value i would be honored if you would send them the link to it and um it is non-denominational it is not it's not anything so uh so whatever you you decide no um, no hard feelings if it's not something that you want to uh get involved with and listen to i fully understand but on the same token uh a few weeks back or a few shows back i should say is that i spoke about uh doing an audio version of some of my technical articles and there's short read technical articles on the uh, on my website and they're under the learning series and uh, i got some feedback from the audience from you guys and uh, no one said they were not interested in it all right so uh but uh, I don't know how much of a metric that is because if somebody's not interested in it, usually they won't call you, they won't email and say, I don't want you to do that. You know, it's just, uh, so I'm going to try because I do the two short shows, which is the Hot Rod Farmer Minute and Bushels and Cents. And they're basically, um, each each one is different as far as its content is concerned. I don't do the same subject in both of them, but they're basically in the same format. And uh, Bushels and Cents runs on Rural Radio, Series XM Channel 147. And I don't want to make a new category for a new podcast. So what I will probably, what I'm going to try to do uh, via the prompting of the people who got back to me is that I'm going to try to do that learning series under the banner of the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. So even though it's going to be a little bit more than a minute to read that, I may do it under that banner. So keep bushels and cents the way it is and and basically change or do, do some hot rod farmer minutes and then see how it is accepted by you guys with this longer format. So that'll probably be it. I would say no more than five minutes and probably not less than three based upon the content i have so we will try it and uh i would need you guys to let me know what you think because i'm you want to do what you want and uh if you don't like it i mean you got a hard skin i'm from new jersey you don't have to uh you know tell me that we don't like it we like the short show the the one minute minute and ten seconds show better so same check that out when it comes and hopefully in the next week or two well you if you do listen to those two short shows you'll definitely know when it is when it is there when it arrives because it's not going to be 60 seconds and let me see i told you i got the uh, the raptor was the oh maybe maybe i didn't tell you that the raptor was delivered today and uh quite a beautiful truck 
and I did not get a chance to drive it yet, simply because my uh, sciatica is still quite bad. And uh, when they bought it, they pulled it in the driveway. And I don't want to tell them, I just left a $120,000 truck here. And I was saying, well, geez, I don't even know if I could get in it to drive it. And I could not get in it uh, because of the way my back was hurting and stiff. And I took a little step stool to try to get in because it's got 37 inch tall tires and I was not successful at that particular point so if I get I said how am I gonna if I get in here with the step stool Charlotte's at work there's nobody here just the cats I said I can't move the truck and pull it because they parked in an angle which was fine I told him just pull it in and leave the keys on the tire because I'm going to be recording uh and they have no issue with that at Ford and uh, I said, well, how am I going to pick up the steps to walk in? So I didn't do that. And then by God's grace, I felt a little bit better later on. I was able to at least get in it, finagle my way in it, uh, which would not be a problem if you don't, if you're not suffering from uh, from sciatica. So uh, and and I move it and straighten it out. And then I'm going to hopefully uh, feel better in a day or two and start to uh, to use it but naturally i opened the hood right away i was able to do that without stepping on the step stool and close it without and it's a very nicely packaged that five liter uh, supercharged engine so i have to really study that when i feel a little bit better and see what's going on with it uh when i did start it i at this particular when it you know last week we spoke about the flare-up right and it flared up on on idle when i did start it to move it and um I felt I got a little bit of quiver in the idle, so I have to see how that is when we uh, when we start to you know put some miles on it and drive it. And I'm sure that it's it is. Uh, I'm not going to say it's an anomaly. Uh, it it probably is on that flare up, and as it starts to decay out, that it's not. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not dead nuts on. Um, the calibration, because I know that Ford's calibrations and the OE caliber, well, except for that Chevy rental car my wife has, but anyway, but uh, a dead nuts on, but you know, lots of times you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised that when you look under engine emissions, you're just like in the English language, sometimes you'll write a sentence, and believe me, I have no English language degree, right? And you write something, and it, it, it sounds correct, but it is actually grammatically wrong. And then when I got involved with my writing career, I was working with, um, with uh, Diane, uh, well, her name was, married name was Bacadoro, and uh, uh, her maiden name was uh, Brennan, Drennan, Drennan, I think Diane Drennan. Forgive me, Diane, if you're listening I think it was Brent. I don't remember. It was thirty years ago, but the, then she became Bacadoro very shortly after I met her, and she was the one because I would say to her, Diane, you know, critique my writing uh, because you're the copy editor. Well, back then she was the managing editor of the of the public the publishing company that I started my career with, and uh, and back then a managing editor was a person who had a degree in English. I mean, so uh, and probably a master's degree in English and maybe a master's and some additional credit. So it wasn't somebody today to just say, you're a managing editor, and last week you worked at McDonald's. So that wasn't the case back then with so many things in the world that there was a level of professionalism and education attached to it. And I never forget that she said to me, she said to me I said, well, you know, Diane, why did you change this sentence? And, uh, and my idea, I told her, 
was that I am not a I'm not a uh, a degreed a journalist by no means. Never took a journalist journalism or writing class in my life. And I said my whole my goal is to work for you to get minimal corrections on my grammar and punctuation. I mean, she would never change the technical content because that was fine. But she said, oh, no, you should break break this sentence up or put a semicolon here instead of a comma or what have you. And uh, and uh, so I said, my whole goal is to keep questioning you so I could learn. And that's really what I like, a, like a, a engine management system is. They call that a feedback circuit, right? The less correction you have, the whole idea like on a fuel injection system is that you do not want to have any correction. So if there's zero correction, today they call it trim, fuel trim, then you're dead nuts on. So uh, I used to pride myself with that. But anyway, to get back to my point, I remember Diane always used to say, Ray, you know, it may sound correct, but it's grammatically wrong, as I said a minute ago. And lots of times in the calibration, so like you start this engine up, for this raptor r and believe me okay i have like three feet of driving and i just straightened it out in the in the driveway i wanted to park it behind the corn planter so that i could get my other car out my fiesta and my wife could uh, have access to her rental car so uh and you know i didn't like that but lots of times it's got to be like that during the flare up to burn off the hydrocarbon so like i said i'm not by no means don't take that as a black eye but but i was a little bit uh, a little bit uh, you know i'm not gonna say i, I it jumped out to me because i didn't like that part of the calibration at that particular you know burning off the hydrocarbons or cranking fuel and uh, it's got a big agm battery in it uh that uh, you know glass mat battery and uh, that truck is up so high with the 37 inch tires i think you would need a cherry picker like for you know pull an engine they pick up that battery a big goony battery i don't see how you're going to pick that up and put it in there then if you had to replace it so that's the problem with all these high vehicles but it's a beautiful beautiful truck uh did some eyeballing on it uh very cursory and then what i'm planning to do is a next week's idle chatter to do the whole review on the raptor r and the 700 horsepower raptor r and what i'm going to focus on basically is the drivability and the uh the usability of the truck because i know what 700 horsepower feels like i know what 1200 horsepower feels like because i built those type of engines so 700 horsepower is a lot of horsepower even in a heavy truck so um so yeah i mean it's not going to be like oh man this thing really uh according to car and driver it's um it's a, an 11 second vehicle all right, so I think they got a 12-1, but it was running against the speed limit already. Because I think they only shut them off like at 118 or 119 miles an hour because of the tires. So it was bumping against the speed limit already. So uh, it's, it's definitely, um, a, I would say, a high 11-second to mid-11-second vehicle. Mid-11-second given the right conditions. Uh, high 11-second, 12-0, 11-second vehicle. Um doing everything wrong which is absolutely insane and crazy and i will not steal the thunder from what i hope to talk about in that upcoming episode Alrighty, so that is let me see what else i want to tell you so that is basically uh that is basically it and we need to get into the topic of today's show and what i am going to talk about and it was a, the catalyst of it was 
was the raptor. And, you know, so many times within the community, and the community being the agricultural community, uh, and also the automotive community, whether you're a hobbyist or whether you are a, uh, you know, in that business or what have you, is that we have a tendency to overbuy and buy too much. And what I mean by buying too much is that we have a tendency, not saying, okay, well, well, I, you know, I should, I should have bought the, I shouldn't have bought two oil filters, I should have bought one. No, I mean, we're not really talking about it, unless you have some sort of, you're, you're some sort of hoarder, and you say, I'm going to buy 10 cases of oil filters. All right, well, maybe there's a time to do that, right? If those oil filters are being discontinued, using that as an example, and you want to still run that piece of equipment, so I'm not i'm not saying that there's never a time to do that but we have a tendency within this community to overbuy and now mind you i am the hot rod farmer right so there's no no denying that but we end up overbuying too big a vehicle too big a farm tractor too big a uh a lawnmower right i mean there's people in in town here in hackettstown and they have this little piece of land and they get this big zero turn mower and the guy's like a, just going around like on a top all the time turning around all right so the thing spending more time spinning around in, in circles with that zero turn i mean you just pull the one level one way and you push the other one the other way and you go around like a merry-go-round so um and so we have a tendency to overbuy and that was something that i want to discuss and it's it's specifically in my way of thinking it is specifically a financial detriment because when you overbuy something, it's not like you're going, you're renting, renting a car or renting a truck or going on vacation. Ah, we rented this this hotel room. It's too big. We didn't need such a big hotel room. You know, we paid for the hotel room. And we got the bigger one, and we could have saved some money. We would have probably enjoyed the smaller one better. But when you buy something, because I always look at it as, in, as investing not buying right because you want to have a potential return from your investment when you buy something you expect no return you as i have to say you expect a bill in the mail i'm just gonna take a drink here for a second all right thank you but when you owe when you buy something and specifically with farm equipment or, and even vehicles today if you look at the auto industry the uh, there's so many people out there that are taking 84 month loans right so that's a seven-year loan and they're talking about 96 month loans an eight-year loan on a vehicle now granted these are very very expensive vehicles and then that's you know that gets part of overbuying i mean you need a hundred thousand dollar car maybe you do maybe you don't so that's what we're going to talk about today but more on the technical side of things and not the uh, not the uh, I want this side but I think that comes into play and I think a lot of business decisions as far as buying vehicles and farm equipment and things for the shop are based on I'm getting the biggest one all right so uh now i'm going to turn the clock back but i but yeah hey i'm a half hour 27 minutes into the show and i did not complain about anything right did not complain about anything at all so uh see i told you i wasn't going to complain anymore 
But, and what I'm going to say now is not a complaint. It's a reference. It's to going back because it's going to, it's going to be something to reference off of, right? Is that years ago, many years ago, when you were to buy specifically a vehicle, it could be a truck for your farm, pickup truck could be a car, or even a, a, a farm tractor or what have you, is that everything was for the most part in almost, and I, I can't think of an instance that it was not, because even with my, 2002 new holland farm tractor everything was a la carte so you could go and say no i want this i want that for instance when i bought my farm tractor i wanted the gear transmission i didn't want the hydrostat all right so uh and if you got the deluxe version you had the deluxe versions with a hydrostat the gear drive versions were just called gear drive they didn't have a hydrostat transmission and then what they did was that had a different grill on it it had uh different headlights and it also i think had a temperature gauge and maybe some other thing where i have an idiot light instead of a temperature gauge so i didn't want now would i have wanted the deluxe headlights i don't think they're any brighter it was like a uh i have sealed beam and was more of a composite light i actually like the sealed beam better because if i were to well it really wasn't a sealed beam as a bulb that you replace in the back but uh so but you know the grill was a little bit fancier on the uh deluxe model and uh, you know i I could live it i could live i mean i i didn't have any preference either way but i didn't want the hydrostatic transmission and the deluxe model was i think i don't remember anymore it's so many years ago 20 years ago but something tells me it was almost two thousand dollars more so other than that everything was a la carte so i was able to order and i ordered my tractor i ordered it and they uh, they made it down in uh dublin georgia not dublin ireland dublin georgia and i ordered the rear wheel weights uh the deluxe three-point hitch the foldable roll bar uh, i ordered the floor mats the toolbox the rear work light, um, let me see, the side steps on, which I'm glad that I did get, and there may have been something else, uh, obviously the mechanical front wheel drive, and um, the agricultural tires, and let me see, uh, there probably was some a little bit of something else, I don't remember right now, going off the back of my head, uh, so anyway, so I ordered that, and I did not mind paying for it, because, but I was getting everything that I wanted, and back years ago in farm equipment and uh, probably more like tractors and combines and self-propelled sprayers you were able to do that you could go and you could in to a certain extent you know cherry pick and make it so actually in essence if you were a tractor collector a la like a car collector you would say that my tractor is very very unique and probably i would say probably is one of one that's what i say in the car business well, one of two one of one one of three right or uh, meaning, meaning the way they was they were specked out because mine is has everything that a deluxe has but it's a gear drive and like I said, it just doesn't have the deluxe grill with that headlight and then um, the temperature gauge. But if I was to, so I'm not going to change that. But anyway, but it's, so it's a gear drive with, that has all the deluxe stuff on it. And 
Back when you bought a car or a pickup truck, you were able to do that. My first new car, my Buick Skyhawk, I remember everything was a la carte. I was able to get the crank windows and the power door locks. I was able to get the crank windows, the power door locks, and the power antenna. All right, so I was able to get the cruise control on the tilt wheel without, so it was, it was, it was wonderful. So you really were able to make the vehicle unique. And then what had happened is these car companies and, and in turn also these farm tractor and farm equipment manufacturers started to bundle everything together. And the impetus for them to bundle everything was together to make it more profitable for them and easier. So in other words, if you went and, and they they were under the, well, they, I don't want to say that they worked under the guise because that's the improper term, but they used to tell you, oh, if we do it this way, then we have better quality control. Well, I had no problem with quality control years ago. So uh, so basically it's saying, well, you know, if we know if we have a whatever, an XYZ, and it's a, it's this model, it's going to get all of this stuff, and we put it in there, instead of saying, like my tractor, where it's a gear drive, but it's got this and that and that in it. Uh, and, or, my, or my Buick, and my 87 Buick Regal was the same way. And then my 91 Lincoln Mark Seven had zero options because it was fully... The only option I think was on it was a moonroof, which I did not want. And um, so, but as time went on, they start to bundle stuff together. When you bundle stuff together, is that two things happen. You end up paying for something that you do not want. And in my eyes, remember, I'm not, uh, I'm not the normal person today, right? In my eyes, that most of these packages or you buy a higher trim level of a car and i'm going to use a mustang as an example all right because i'm i'm not familiar with uh, i'm familiar with that and, and but i know the same thing happens with farm equipment and with trucks so if you were to buy well this is 2023 for 2024 i believe they changed it a little bit because i looked on their website as my show prep is that so up to 2023 if i wanted to buy a mustang and I wanted satellite radio. Same thing happened with the Ford Maverick I had. A satellite radio, I would have to go to a premium Mustang, the premium package, or whatever, premier, premium, whatever they call it, I think premium. And the same thing is with the Maverick. I had to go to this top, top, top of the line Maverick to get a satellite radio, which is absolutely ridiculous because it is a radio. It's not a different engine. It's not a different suspension. It's a radio, all right? And so basically, in essence, for you, let's jump from the Mustang to the Maverick, is that I would have to spend, I think I did the math, it was $9,000 more, my road test of the Maverick. The vehicle I would have to get, because it was the top of the line, which was, I think, Lariat, and had a whole bunch of other stuff in it, and it was an option on top of that, and you had to get a navigation system and all this. Well, I don't think it, whatever, it was $9,000 over the base Maverick. So if you look at the base Maverick at the time when I road tested last year, the base Maverick was under $20,000, $19,995, right? So say $20,000. And I had to pay $9,000 more. Well, now all of a sudden that vehicle is not the bargain that it, that it that it was or that farm tractor was not the bargain that it originally looked that you originally thought it was plus forget about the money let's say you're rolling in the money it makes a difference to you because of this this 
this uh, everything grouped together in packages, you're getting a lot of things on that and using a car, for example, the Maverick or the Mustang or a Chevy or a Ford or a Toyota, I mean, a Toyota or whatever, it makes no difference because of this packaging and you're getting a lot of other things that you may not want. And so here it is, you're paying X amount of dollars more and you're getting all of these things in it that you don't want because you want the one item you want the satellite radio so and i know for the 2024 mustang based upon ford's website which is not out yet uh that you could buy a, a base mustang which is the car i would want and you could buy a package that includes the satellite radio right which is 23 or 2600 dollars more but it's better than nine thousand, and but it gives you a lot of stuff well power seats i don't want power seats right? so whatever but getting back to it years ago you did not have to do that so you could go buy a a chevy pickup truck and order it i mean you could have bought it ordered with any engine that they had i mean you could have gotten a, a base c10 with a 454 in it right or you could have gotten an inline six cylinder or a, or a ford or a dodge it was no ram back then and you were able to get what you want and i think the tendency now is that when people buy they don't buy something that they overbuy as far as the equipment is concerned they overbuy as far as the upfront costs are concerned and they overbuy as far as the size is concerned getting back to the people in Hackettstown with this little plot of land that you could cut with a push reel to reel mower and the guy's got a $12,000 or $15,000 zero turn and he needs uh he needs Dramamine after he gets done cutting the grass because he's spinning around like a top all day long all right to try to cut a little piece of land with that and but what i do want to emphasize is that when you make those when you decide to do that that i'm going to ask you because remember my tagline is not what you make but what you keep the counts is that do you really want that equipment how badly do you want it right and and, and if you want it that's fine god bless you it's like putting the diesel engine in a in a in a pickup truck all right I mean that's ten eleven thousand dollars today all right to put a diesel engine in it i mean do you really want a diesel engine that bad or what you have to do you have to be introspective do you want the diesel engine so when you go to church you go to town or go to a farm meeting oh we got the hot rod farm i got the big diesel right you know so do you want the bragging rights of having that or do you have a personal desire for it or is there some sort of functionality that is involved with that, right? And you, only you could make that uh, answer that question. I can't answer that question, but keep in mind, and I've seen this time and time and time again, is that when you when you overbuy, all right, and I'm not saying that you underbuy, I say that you give yourself a little bit of a margin. So if you overbuy, then what happens is that that additional expense is carried with is it's not a one-time shot usually so for instance you buy a suv for your wife and you get this top of the line loaded one right with all this stuff in it and then what happens is that it's got this big 20 inch 21 inch wheel tires rims on it and whatever it looks real cool looks beautiful i'm not gonna not gonna deny that 
but the cost of the tires are so much more than the standard 17 inch tires that are on there all right so the cost of the tires is so much now it's got this big wide tires right and then your wife is trying to take the kids to school and it's icy and snowy and you got this big ninety thousand dollar suv and this thing stinks in the snow and the ice because the tires are so wide whereas you have the person who bought the the base one with the skinny tires and they go right around you so you have to really think these things out and you have to think of what they call in business the carrying costs all right so if you're going to go and say well now these tires are four hundred dollars a piece versus two hundred dollars all right and and that's very realistic today you get some of these big tires on these pickup trucks and these suvs that they're better part of four hundred dollars because they're low production and they're more expensive tire to make and and also another thing is that when you have something like that usually sticking with the tires is that because the people don't don't uh there, there is not as many as the as the volume model leader, right? Is that you buy a lot of those tires? They're sitting in, they're sitting in a warehouse for two or three years. That you don't look, you got to look at the date code because you're spending four hundred dollars for a tire. And the tire is three years old before you even put it on the road, and the rubber's already getting hard. Excuse me, I just got a drink and banged everything with it. But now, so you know. I'm asking you as a business person to look at that. All right, then also look at look at things and say, all right, fine. Do I really want this? And yes, I want this or I need this or what have you. And then you say to yourself, well, it's in a package. And it could be on a farm tractor. It's in a package. You want the nicest seat. But when you get the nicest seat in a farm tractor, I'm not saying that you should not, but you really just can't go carte blanche and pick every, pick, check every box because as I started to say before, and I'm using the automobile industry as a reference, is that nine chances out of 10, the people are sorry if they end up keeping that vehicle or that piece of equipment uh, a longer time and try to amortize their cost out over many years of operation. So for instance, let's go with the vehicle with the moonroof and i know that they're not problematic like they used to be years ago with leaking in with the electric motors going bad but still so for instance this raptor that i have sitting here right now i know that on the moroni sticker which is what the window sticker is called that it's a tw- i think it was it's over two thousand dollars for the moonroof it may be close to three it wasn't three maybe 25 26 dollars and if you really want a moonroof i'm not going to say that it's not nice in some instances you really want a moonroof but do you want it twenty seven hundred dollars bid and then what happens if that moonroof has a problem let's say down the road you get into an accident and then you know, something hits it and breaks the i mean so what you're doing is you're opening yourself up for a potential for additional expenses down the road so let's say you have a vehicle and i'm repeating i'm not saying don't buy a moonroof all right but look at you know do your due diligence look it's okay fine so now let's say arguably you have vehicle a whatever chevy tahoe all right suv all right new chevy tahoe suv vehicle tahoe a has tahoe a has uh minimal extra equipment 
All right, I'm not going to call to say it's a stripper. And 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 this and your na- your neighbor, uh, Tahoe B, is loaded to the gills, right? Both the same engine, both the same drivetrain, same everything mechanically. The one that's loaded to the gills has these big expensive tires and rims on it, right? The one that's not, the standard one has whatever, stamp steel, whatever they have on it, right? The loaded one has a navigation system and touchscreen system in it and a moonroof in it and all this other stuff and uh, all this whatever, trailer assist, backup, all this other, other what I would call garbage or trash, all right, so now both of these vehicles, so so Tahoe A conceivably cost twenty or thirty thousand dollars less than Tahoe B. They're both brought new from the same dealer for everything, right? Twenty or thirty, and you'd be surprised how you could very easily put twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of options on a vehicle and specifically on a farm tractor or combine twenty thousand dollars that does options doesn't even come on your radar right and the thing is that so you both have these two using the car as a common denominator these two vehicles and now you're keeping them five six seven eight years ten years right you want to i mean there's no reason why you can't keep a vehicle at least 10 years today if you take care of it so now in year six or seven you're right the power moonroof starts to give a problem. And now uh, you say, well, I've got a problem with it. It's going to cost me whatever, $500 to fix it. The heck with it, I won't open it, right? And if it was stuck open, well, that's a different story. You'd have to try to get it to close or you have to fix it. Where So now let's say, let's, let's be a more plausible story. Let's say that it's stuck slightly open. So now you have to fix it. And of course you have $500 to fix it. The other guy, all right, so you already got $500 more into ownership of this vehicle than the other person has, right? Because he has no moonroof. If you don't have a moonroof, it can't break. So now you go and you have these big, beautiful tires and rims, expensive rims, and you have to go. So your tires only last 40,000 miles. His tires last 80,000 miles, right? And you go and you have, so now you have $2,000 for tires, where the other guy who bought the base model hasn't spent anything he hasn't fixed his moonroof and he hasn't put uh, put tires on it yet and now you go and uh i'll be sexist and your wife goes and hits a pothole and she bends that room that big fancy polished chrome rim and that polished chrome rim is six hundred dollars right so now you gotta buy a rim for six hundred dollars but the other guy has the base rims that are actually stronger not as pretty stronger and he has no issues so the thing basically is is that as time goes on and keep in mind that all of those bells and whistles that that are not functional right so i'm not saying don't buy a tractor and don't get the option of the high flow hydraulics i'm not saying don't buy a vehicle and get and do not get the option of a trailer towing kit factory trailer towing i'm not saying that i'm saying but people load this stuff up with these things that and it's almost like an impulse purchase like buying a buying something on the checkout line of a supermarket they call those impulse purchases you have no intentions to buy that you're standing in a checkout line and you see that whether it's a pack of gum whether it's a magazine we don't have magazines anymore or something it's oh you're waiting in line to be checked out that you go let me buy this and grab it's impulse you had no intentions of buying never even knew existed before you came there and lots of times with this machinery, their impulse purchases. I want the bragging rights. I want to 
out. And, and like I say, if there's a functionality and you're going to use that functionality, then the thing basically is that that's great. And that's smart business, right? You say, oh, no, I'm going to buy this. And I'm going to make another analogy. I'm going to talk about my little escort that's uh, sadly sitting in the cornfield. And uh, it actually looks good, but it's rusting out from the bottom because that's where it rusted. But uh, and my little Fiesta. And the thing is that the you know people come to me, and I've said this story to you before, oh, you're a hot rod farmer, you're this. Well, probably more, I wasn't the hot rod farmer, then I was the magazine guy. And you know, and I put a ton of miles on them. I used to think nothing to run into Ohio, run into Michigan, every couple of weeks running down to Georgia for business. And and because of that, because, uh, because I had a... Uh, the ability to go all over, my business did very well by God's grace. Because if I had to go to Michigan, I went to Michigan. If I had to go someplace, I went to Mich- I went. I went to Ohio or to whatever, to um, Georgia, Florida, wherever I had to go, Kentucky. Because my first of all, why was that possible? Because my initial my initial cost for the car was I remember I paid $12,000 even brand new. It was an Escort SE. It, had, it was perfect because it was had a nicer interior. All right, it had the crank windows, which I wanted, the the nicer wheel covers or chrome. They're wheel covers, right? They weren't fancy aluminum wheels. I don't want that. And uh, and so my upfront cost was very was was less than, and my operating cost, because the thing got 45 miles per gallon, my operating cost to go to go to Michigan, my cost per mile was very very low. All right, and then uh, the car was extremely reliable, so I I never uh, so I never broke down, never had to do anything, so just took care of it. So if you look at it, and plus when I used to travel, I always traveled by myself, and w- and it's only Charlotte the two of us right so when we went on vacation that little escort was big enough for more than big enough all right and i sometimes it was too big because charlotte would take too much clothes and shoes with her right so the thing basically is that um so it served it more than served its purpose but the fact of the matter is that if I, people say, oh, you, you write for Hot Rod Magazine and everything. I said, it wasn't the Hot Rod Farm Magazine. And you're coming here and asking, you should be coming here in a Corvette or a Trans Am or a Mustang GT or something. You know, well, if I would have done that, I wouldn't have bought that, uh, let's say, a Corvette for $12,000, brand new. All right. My upfront cost would have been higher. My insurance would have been higher. They were pretty good on gas, but not 45, 50 miles per gallon like my Escort. That maintenance would have been higher. The tires would have been been higher. I would not have been able to go to Michigan in the middle of a snowstorm as I used to go. I used to leave here to farm, and the, the Escort was great in the snow. It was great with the tires I had. And if, I mean, yeah, I would prefer to not go in snow and ice, but if I had to go for business, I went. I didn't say, well, it's snowing. And I probably would never have gotten out of sight with a Corvette or a Trans Am or a Mustang GT in the middle of a snowstorm. All right. So the thing is that if you put it all together and I was in the car by myself, and like I said, I had my overnight bag and my camera. So what value would have that would that have brought to me? It may have brought personal pride to, oh, look, I got the Corvette, I got this, I got that, all right? And the thing is that, you know, I know some of you going back because we're reposting the uh, the older shows from the archives, and Sue is posting one every Monday, and I believe I did a show early on 
yeah, basically, I forgot what I called it, what I titled it, but, you know, are you your, I think it was called, are you your own worst enemy to your to the success of your farm? So are you your own worst enemy when it comes to machinery? So are you buying, are you buying a 500 horsepower tractor, all right, when a 350 horsepower tractor is more than enough to run the acreage that you want to run. So somebody can say, well, I got a 500 horsepower tractor and I could pull a bigger this. I'm not going to deny that. But what you really need to do is you need to figure out and say, okay, fine. And because using the farm tractor, for example, well, if you have an implement, let's say you want a planter, all right, and it's this size planter, a 12-row planter, whatever, and you could pull that with a 300 horsepower tractor, with no problem all right and then you say well i get a 500 horsepower tractor i can pull a bigger planter that's a hundred percent correct all right but that means that you have to buy a bigger planter because having a 500 horsepower planter and pulling and pulling the planter that you pulling the same planter that a 300 horsepower tractor would do is really i mean unless you plan on having a bigger planter or doing something then you're paying for something that you're getting no value with just like me if i went you know if i was using my magazine career all right and uh if i'm going someplace i'm going to ohio for a magazine story i was getting paid x amount of dollars for a magazine story if i came and my upfront costs were less than made me more profitable. If I came there in a Corvette, if I came there in a, a car that was two to three times the price of my Escort, two two times the amount of fuel, two times the insurance cost, two times everything, right? The fact of the matter is, is that I'm not going to get hot rod magazines and, oh all right forget about it oh you got you're going in a hundred thousand dollar car we're giving you more you know more per page for the store they're not i had to make my business model work with what i was getting all right like every business model so the thing basically is you're a grain operator i mean grain farmer right i mean yeah everybody loves to see big numbers on the chicago board of trade eight dollars a bushel corn six dollars a bushel corn right we love that no denying it right but we don't have any control over that so if you go in and if you buy you know uh, uh spend a lot of money on a lot of things that are bringing no production value all right, and I'm not saying that everything does not do that. And you may need to say, well, I'm going to run more acreage. And that's almost how we got onto this merry-go-round with the farms getting larger and larger and larger and running more acreage. And I understand the economics of that. And I understand that. But one of the things is that that as farmers, we had to balance the cost of the equipment because I mean granted a 300 horsepower tractor is less money than a 500 horsepower tractor but it's not that much less right I mean that's where the the one is twelve thousand dollars and the other one is fifty thousand no I mean they're there's their telephone numbers regardless but I feel that when it comes to equipment when it comes to vehicles that there's a lot of and farm equipment there's a lot of ego that is attached to that and hopefully i'm not stepping on anybody's toes and those ego decisions are the ones that bite you from my from my experience all right so the thing basically is is that you know if you're buying a, a like i always say about my ranger the so and 
uh, let me just use the example of me going to get my fertilizer down in the middle in Maryland. If I had a bigger truck, one time a year, one time a year, I would be able to load, I would be able to go down to get my fertility, say nothing changed, I want to go down to the mill to Ben to, to Ben Hosh and get my fertility, right? But I didn't want, I, didn't want, I wanted my broadcast blend, I could get in one load instead of two loads because my truck can't carry that weight, right? I would have basically saved 500 miles, or a little bit, let's say 500 miles, easy arithmetic, 500 miles, and arguably 10 or 12 hours of my time because it's about four or five hours that down there four or five hours back <clears throat> so that's about 10 11 so i see 12 hours a half a day all right so if i would have said no i'm gonna buy a bigger truck because i'm rationalizing to myself well, when i go get the fertilizer i could get that all in i could get that broadcast fertilizer in one trip instead of two trips so so the thing is that so now i'm gonna buy a a 40 or 50 or 60 thousand dollar pickup truck instead of my little ranger all right but yes on that one day i could go and get all my fertility and bring it home or even people say well why'd you get a trailer because i cannot i cannot pencil out the buying a trailer or buying a bigger truck for one day a year so basically in essence it's costing me not even 24 hours it's costing me a, a let's say a business day all right but i don't have all of those upfront carrying costs and i'm not saying don't buy a bigger truck but let's say i decided no i am gonna buy a bigger truck right because my ranger or whatever tree fell on its crush and say well let me move up to an f-150 now uh and i could go and i could uh go get my fertilizer all at one time right i don't have to make two trips granted all right so i'm sort of thing pace is that i would have that but then i have the additional upfront cost of the truck i have the additional maintenance i have the additional insurance i have additional everything and for 364 days of the year i'm having a truck that is bigger than i particularly need I, I've always said my ranger never let me down as far as not doing what I asked it to do. So can I justify that expense to do that when I basically say, well, this, you know, I'm still going to, you know, I go get feed, I'm going to go get this, okay, whatever, uh, uh, that I have more than enough room with the ranger. And the same thing happens with power, right? So I'm going to get the big, and I'm going to emphasize it again, I'm the hot rod farmer, all right? But the fact of the matter is, is that yeah, I'm going to get the big motor on there. I want the 500 horsepower, all right, and this pickup truck, and that's cool, all right. I mean, really, in all honesty, even though I can get there yet, does the truck, does the world really need a 700 horsepower pickup truck, like the Raptor or anything, the Dodge TRX or TR something is? Does it? No, it does not need it. I mean, so the thing basically is, is that so. What I like to do is I like to buy enough power that I have a little bit of a cushion that in case I want to add something or do something right in the future that I have a little bit of a threshold there, but I don't need to go beyond that. And even with the with the with the power level, power level, I said to myself, all right, and I'm so you have attracted, of course, your thirty or forty thousand dollars less, all right, and yeah, well, maybe you can't pull that planter at 10 miles an hour like you wanted, but maybe you could pull that planter at 8 miles an hour, 7 miles an hour. So 
pencil it out. Take take the you know, do the basic math doesn't to be down and say, okay, fine. If I if I got planned at ten miles an hour versus seven miles an hour, because seven miles an hour is smaller, less power tractor. All right, it's going to take me, and you know how many acres you're farming. It's going to take me X amount of hours to plant my farm, two days, whatever, whatever the number is. And now if I was able to go up there and I was able to get the bigger tractor, all right, how much time savings am I going to have? Well, now I could run 10 miles an hour instead of seven miles an hour, but don't forget you're running 10 miles per hour instead of seven planting, right? What is the fuel cost difference? All right, so you really have to look at this, and you know the thing is that, and uh, you know, do you do you <clears throat> do you need, you know, this big zero turn mower, or maybe you could use you still need a zero turn for whatever the dynamics are. All right, you need a zero turn, but you need one with a sixty inch cut. Can you get it by with a forty two inch cut, and one with a nineteen horsepower engine instead of a forty horsepower engine? I mean, do you need so? And I'm not saying that you begrudge yourself of it, but all of these things, all of these purchases, once you bring them home, they eat. They have to eat. They eat insurance. They eat maintenance. They eat everything. So the thing, I just hit this microphone. Jeez, I'm going nuts here. And uh, they, but a shock mount works, you can tell that. And uh, they eat, and you have to earn that money. All right, and the thing is that, I see that time and time again. I see it time and time again. And, you know, none of my equipment can I do, has any bragging rights whatsoever. Nothing, nothing I have has any bragging rights. I can't go someplace, ah, look at that, I'm driving a 400, 500 horsepower pickup truck. I'm not. I'm driving a pickup truck with 145 horsepower and a four-cylinder engine, which works for me. It's not going to work for a guy running 10,000 acres, all right? All right, the thing basis. You can look at a car I got. I got a big Cadillac, or I got a Corvette, or I got this, or I got that, a Mercedes. Well, I'm driving a Ford Fiesta all right so the thing is that you know uh, uh look at my farm tractor i got you know uh, you know i could go over there and i could pull this big plant that you're mickey mouse you're fooling around planting that sweet corn you can't pull a big planter like me right granted i can't pull a planter like you but i have a lot less operating costs my cost per acre my cost per hour my compaction on my field my everything all right is 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 where i'm getting my my return on my investment so if you were to look at things with a single dimension all right and i'm going to be sexist i'm going to be sexist because i think that that's uh, i'm old school right I'm, I'm not politically correct so that's like saying you know that i'm going to marry a girl that looks great in a bikini and I don't give a darn about anything else. I don't care. I don't care anything about her morals. I don't care about her education. I don't even care if her teeth are rotted. I want her to look great in the bikini. And if that's what you want, that's fine. But historically, those decisions end up biting you. And I've never seen I've never seen a time where it has not come back to haunt you because they're long term decisions. Like you going to a restaurant, ah, I really shouldn't have gotten a steak. It was ten dollars more. I should have gotten a pork chop. That's nothing. I mean you need to go blow your brains out over it. You're not gonna blow your brains out of it out of it. But you buy too much horsepower on the tractor. You're paying for that horsepower up front. You're paying for that horsepower with your with, with with your fuel consumption, you're paying for it. And is it truly giving you that 
that edge in your productivity. So you buy a pickup truck. So instead of buying a half a ton pickup truck that you need to buy for your business, which is 35,000, let's say, whatever, 30, base truck, 35, 38,000, whatever you want to say. And these base trucks got everything. And it wasn't like years ago, like I said, everything is a la carte. They're air conditioned, this and that. You got everything in. And, and you could take the same truck, you pick on an F-150. You could get an F-150 for, let's say, under 40,000. And you could get an F-150 for 100,000. All right, so the thing basically is, is that, you know, are the things that make the other 60,000 that's going into the cost of that F-150, you you ha- let that prove to yourself on your business, right? How is that making my business better? Same thing happens in the farm shop with toolboxes. Look, every mechanic loves a big, beautiful toolbox, like a snap-on toolbox. Nobody's going to deny that. All right. I always wanted one of those beautiful toolboxes. I never bought one. I have a Craftsman toolbox that's 40 years old. All right. It's a triple stack toolbox. All right. 40 years old. All right. You know, I used to wax it when I got it and did everything and took care of it because that's how I grew up poor. And that was an accomplishment to buy that toolbox. All right. The thing is that when I worked, when I was in school and I worked as a mechanic in a car dealership, all right, and I'm not knocking somebody that's got the toolbox, a big, beautiful toolbox, all right? But the fact of the matter is, the guy who had at the time the $10,000, which is now a $40,000, $50,000 toolbox versus my $1,000, I probably didn't even have $1,000 into it, he wasn't making any more money at the dealership than I was. All right. If we were both, if we were both uh, on the on the same pay scale. Now, if you said to me, "Well, I bought this toolbox, and because of it, I could go and I could be more efficient and I could make more money on on when I'm working at the, you know a flat rate or something," then I would say, "Okay, fine. That's definitely viable. I'm not going to deny it." Well, how much more can you make? Well, I can make ten twenty dollars more a day. Okay, that's great. That's a hundred dollars more a week. Five days, all right, five, that's $5,200 a year, all right, and uh, how much is that toolbox? And, you know, the math does not lie to you, all right, and and I'm not a type of person who makes every decision based on math. I make business decisions based on math, and I think we all should, and I make personal decisions based upon my heart. All right, so uh, so the so the thing is that because the heart and business, the what I want and business are two different things. And I'll end with this: when the two thousand two the retro Thunderbird came out, I think they made them two thousand two to two thousand six, five or six. I wanted one of those so badly I could taste it. I always wanted a convertible. My writing career was doing very very well. I was traveling a lot. Uh, and I said, oh, I used to envision, oh, boy, how nice is it? And that was really, that car had me written all over it. It was, uh, it was. Uh, I like luxury cars. It didn't have, back then, it didn't have all the crap that they, pardon my language, they have it in today if you buy a luxury car, more buttons than the space shuttle and all these touch screens or whatever. So it was, it was, uh, 
it was it was to me it was perfect right it was perfect i always wanted a convertible it was american made there was a thunderbird i actually even went to the dealership put my my suitcase and my camera equipment in it everything fit fine charlotte and i could travel in it there was an intrinsic benefit had a good size trunk but the intrinsic benefit to me was that she wouldn't have to take so much stuff because it wasn't that much trunk space but more than enough right and it was and you know i just i used to dream about you know going to because i used to go to michigan every couple of weeks and you know going down route 80 going to michigan in the summertime and uh early fall with the top down and uh oh just beautiful smelling the corn in the air shawl and i going out to nebraska to california i used to go to uh carson city nevada to teach classes a couple of times we drove and uh they made a deal with the company that uh that they would just pay me as if i was flying and i would just so beautiful beautiful. i mean loved i mean gorgeous would have been fantastic right would have been fantastic but then i looked at okay fine you have the initial price of the car which wasn't which was not was not a stumbling block financially for me at that particular time it was not i was blessed i was doing very well thank god all right but then i said to myself all right well you know if i get the thunderbird then my escort's gonna have to go out in the driveway because we only have so something's gonna have to go outside because we have a three-car garage so we had the escort my wife's car and the ranger so we did a ranger's gonna sit outside and the ranger was almost new and i really loved i grew up without a garage and i loved having a car and love having a car in a garage you know especially like in the fall and the the you know when it's in the winter when it snows but even in the fall when you get that that the frost on the windows or in the late spring you get that frost and it's so nice coming in the garage right the car's dry there's no frost there's no anything it's warmer than that so fantastic all right so i love that so i said well something's gonna have to go outside either the range is gonna have to go outside on my escort because i'm not gonna displace my wife so when she leaves early in the morning to go to work that she that that she'll have ice in her windshield and i would you know i'd have to go out there and scrape it for her and so i wasn't going to so i said oh, that became an obstacle all right so i said well something's got to sit outside and then i said all right fine and then i called the insurance company and said well you know how much is the insurance going to be if i add this as another vehicle the insurance was okay it wasn't terrible not like a mustang gt but it, the policy was going to go up another 12 or 13 1400 a year and i think i was pretty paying 2000 or 2500 and so now i'm gonna pay 3500 a year for insurance okay and i only drive one car at a time right so i have the ranger pickup truck for the farm i got my escort for business and this is my going to church car right going going to business church uh car to go on a trip because i wasn't going to take the thunderbird to michigan in the winter i wasn't going <clears throat> so that was going to be a nice weather car so when i put all of that together and i said well now i gotta maintain it right has another car to, to change yours another car to wax another car to do this another car to do everything so i put it all together and i said to myself this does not pencil out for me and i don't mean pencil out for me just financially that this does not pencil out for me emotionally because i am basically going to be still generating the same amount of income from my writing career the same amount of income from the farm all right and my expenditures are going to be higher so yes would it have been nice to get in the thunderbird on a beautiful summer day leave early in the morning five o'clock in the morning have pull out of the farm here at the top down and ride all the way to of course it would have been nice all right 
but there was a lot of strings attached to that and those other strings made it not so nice and the same thing as i ask you you know also uh, you know do you need the 10 15 20 thousand dollar snap-on toolbox maybe you do maybe you don't i'm not going to tell you that i'm not going to make that decision for you i'm not going to tell you what you want or what you don't want all right the thing basically is is that but be very careful and specifically today with this these packages on farm equipment well if you want this if you want the high flow hydraulics you got to get this and this and that for twenty thousand dollars and maybe yes you need the high flow hydraulics right and so the thing is that but when you're buying a buying a pickup truck or buying some something else you know do you really need all that other stuff to get this and shame on the manufacturers because they're forcing it they're ramming it <coughs> ramming it down your throat whereas before it was a la carte but i'm repeating it then and then again without fail i see people who go for the top of the line when they don't need the top of the line and they could they're, they're they're affluent enough or successful enough that they could you know make so different i'm writing the check one time so forty thousand dollars more for this pickup truck than the one you want me to buy hot rod all right but then they're carrying costs they i mean so for instance uh like uh uh you buy whatever you pick on this raptor all right and I, I mean, I didn't even drive it yet. I mean, I'm sure it's a fantastic vehicle. But do I need a 700 horsepower truck? All right. Do I need something that's going to burn? That's to burn premium fuel all the time. Do I need something that's got $800 tires on it versus $200 tires? Maybe you do need it. Maybe you don't. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you go into looking at equipment and buying enough with a lit with some cushion on it so you could grow into it and you got that little extra you got that little big extra extra farm shop all right that's a little bit bigger than you really need so you could grow into it you got that toolbox that's a little bit bigger than you really need so you could grow into it but does it have to be a, 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 a toolbox that could uh, be sitting in tiffany's because the paint and everything is so beautiful on it well the thing is that that's not going to help you fix anything all right so you know maybe you want those wheels all right if you want those wheels on the on the on your wife's suv and that's what you want that god bless you but then don't complain all right when when it costs you extra money and then also what happens is that the people and every and people do this they sacrifice something else well you know and so getting getting back that whatever shit whatever suburban whatever i call it tahoe right you know you have a tahoe that's using that as an example that's loaded to the gills a ninety thousand dollar tahoe versus a fifty thousand dollar tahoe i mean to me these are big telephone numbers regardless right and half the stuff 10 years from now doesn't work so you go fix that moonroof when you're trading it in and it costs you two thousand dollars to fix it that tahoe's now worth two thousand dollars more on trading because half the stuff doesn't work anyway and then if you do make it work it's five cents on the dollar all right it's not it's not dollar for dollar so i got two thousand i got the chrome wheels well all right that's worth 15 it's worth 50 dollars more with the chrome wheels a hundred dollars those chrome wheels cost me two thousand dollars well on, on on resale it's worth uh, worth a hundred dollars all right so and i'm not saying you live your life in a in a shoe box but you know just keep in mind that 
when you buy something that is the right size with a little bit of a cushion, with a little bit of extra power, whatever the application shows itself. I mean, do I need a 60-inch lawnmower when I don't plan on getting any more land and my 42-inch cut is, is good enough? Of course, all right? All right, and the thing is that, but run the numbers. Say, how much time am I going to save? How much just by doing this? How much? How is this going to change my business model? But you will find that it's not what you make, but what you keep that counts. And you will find in many instances, many car guys and people in agriculture are spending a lot of additional money. And yes, they got a little bit of an ego trip going with it and a lot of additional money and put but five you know once the bloom wears off the rose that additional expense for those tires those wheels those everything are not going to look that appealing as it did when you first checked that box all right and the 500 horsepower tractor when you get by with a 300 horsepower tractor i mean more than get by is not going to be that appealing once everybody in town and in church knows it you got the big 550 horsepower one oh you got the 550 horsepower one right and by the next week they forgot about it and you still have the expense so please share with me what you what your thoughts are on that and uh, you just email me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and i want to thank you all for uh for tuning in and uh and uh have a blessed blessed week and god willing i'll catch you next week and it's gonna be raptor r time baby raptor r bye bye